When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. The New York Rangers have won the Stanley Cup. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Bum, 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 bum. Three oh two, McMonagle here with you. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. This is a beat that makes me think of. I know it's uh, Fifty Cent, but it makes me think of Eminem, who's my other great musical uh, fandom. I'm a, I'm obsessed uh, with with Eminem, particularly you know the early two thousands Eminem. But got some news about my other favorite musical act, the Beatles. My real favorite musical act. We'll get to that later. Later today. But let's get to the football a little bit. We'll get back to the baseball. We'll get to the Knicks as well. But let's talk about this football game the Giants are about to play against the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, it's funny because yesterday when the news broke on this show, believe it or not, well, not particularly, during this show, should I say, that they were firing McDaniels, they were firing the GM, they have since now fired the offensive coordinator. And Antonio Pierce is going to be the new interim head coach. Mayan Flegelman's first response was, oh, man, the Giants. Let's go hit that money line. I'm getting the sense a lot of Giant fans are now more nervous about this game because the idea of they'd rather have the dead team. I was just talking to Marco about it. You'd rather have the dead team of, you know, McDaniel sucks. You know the they're playing out the string here. You know how uh, pissed off the team is, and particularly the star wide receiver and Devontae Adams. You know how pissed off he is, how miserable this team is. But for me, this is still a spot the Giants need to win this game, whether you view it as a positive or a negative, whether you think they're going to play inspired football or it's going to be tough to have a new interim head coach start on Wednesday, a new offensive coordinator start on Wednesday and try and figure out something here to take on this Giants team. Either way you look at it, this is now a game the Giants should win. And I think it's an important game for this team, and it's an important game for this um, genre of, of Giant football and this group that's running it. In Joe Shane, Brian Dable, the head, the starting quarterback, and Daniel Jones, who, made, who signed a big contract in $40 million, and the star running back that they chose not to trade at the trade deadline, which means he better be a part of this team moving forward. Whether it's another contract, which I, for one, just can't imagine them giving a running back at this stage of their career when they didn't do it last year, now a new three-year contract. I don't see that happening, but certainly the franchise tag is available. He's got to be a part of this team at least for next year, where hopefully hopes will be higher considering some of the pieces defensively and the idea of just maybe improving the offensive line and getting an offense and not as tough a schedule and all the reasons Giant fans will come up with, me included, on why next year will be better than this year and why it could be even more significant than just better. But the point is, this is now a game where Daniel Jones is going to play. Hopefully, Andrew Thomas is going to play. We'll see. But the offensive line, even without Andrew Thomas, has been better over the last few weeks. Saquon Barkley looks healthy, was the focal point of the offense last week. Uh, The team couldn't throw the football and still managed to get 100-plus yards running the football. So now there's no excuses. 
They're coming into a game against the lousy Raiders that are falling apart. Whether you deem it to be a positive or not, they're falling apart. Antonio Pierce has been a linebacker's coach, was a linebacker for the Giants, won a Super Bowl with the Giants, a great player, and he just won the press conference, had a great press conference, right? Talked about physicality and toughness, and he grew up a Raiders fan. We've seen coaches win the press conference before. Joe Judge comes to mind. And and that's not to say Antonio Pierce won't be a good head coach in this league. I have no idea. But he's the interim head coach. He's going from linebacker coach to head coach. He's... You would have to be. You would have to imagine he's going to be a little bit out of his head. He's going to be a little bit under a circumstance that's a very difficult one to just step in and be a head coach in this league. And they're going to have a new offensive coordinator. Oh, and by the way, they're playing Aiden O'Connell, a rookie quarterback out of Purdue. That whether or not he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know. That's how bad Jimmy G has been. But this is a young quarterback playing his first game under this circumstance with the team falling apart. Okay, yeah, no expectations. But this Raiders team is an absolute free fall right now. And I don't care you got to go cross country. I don't care how bad it's been. I don't care Daniel Jones is just coming back. Daniel Jones makes $40 million a year. He's been able to practice. He just hasn't been cleared for contact. He's been able to throw. He's been able to lift. You got Saquon Barkley back. If they can't go out and win this game, if this defense that's been better over the last three weeks, right, that's been much, much better under Wink Martindale, that Thibodeau has has woken up and looked like someone who's worthy of a top-five pick as an edge rusher, as Bobby Okereke is a major free agent signing, has started to wake up inside Wink Martindale's defense and has really started to dominate football games along with Micah McFadden. I mean, you could argue the Giants linebackers are playing better than they've played in a decade. Maybe since Antonio Pierce. You got these young cornerbacks who've stepped up and played well, whether it be Flod, whether it be Baker. Obviously, they lose Leonard Williams, but ultimately Dexter Lawrence in the middle, and and like you know how great he is. Just watch, go rewatch that Giant Jet game and watch him dominate. Now, yes, it was against the second and then third string center, but he absolutely dominated the football game. This team, if you want to tell me that they had expectations heading into this season, that there should be expectations next season that Daniel Jones was worth the contract, that Daniel Jones can be a top-10 quarterback, whatever nonsense I'm sure many Giant fans are still spewing. This is a game where if they lose to a free-fall Raiders team and a rookie quarterback, what can they possibly say about themselves? What positives can you take from this team moving forward? Because I agree this season's dead, and ultimately the loss won't make me feel any worse at 2-7 than 2-6. But it speaks to what this team is in the future. They decided to hold on to Saquon Barkley for the visions of this team moving forward. This very team that's going to play on Sunday. And if this very team that's going to play on Sunday lays another absolute egg and can't figure out how to beat the free fall Raiders, then what's the point? And what are we talking about? Because I'm telling you right now, This team better show up, and this coach better have them showing up. And because if he's the kind of coach who can't rally the troops at 2-6, and then maybe he's not who we thought he was either. Maybe he's not who we thought he was either. This is a big game for the future of the team. It's going to be a checkmark for or against the head coach, 
the quarterback, the running back, and namely the three of them together. Because that's what they sold you on when they gave him a contract in, in Daniel Jones when they, they decided not to trade Saquon Barkley. They told you coach, quarterback, running back, and this offense can work, will work. We believe in it. We believe in this defense. We believe in those three pillars of the team. And if they crap the bed and they score seven points, or they look miserable in this game against a lousy Raiders defense. I heard Keith uh, talking before uh, about this defense. Yeah, they held those Lions to some field goals. I thought the Lions had a terrible game plan inside the red zone. Gibbs ran all over them. They had 400-plus yards of offense. This Raiders team stinks. And maybe they'll be galvanized by the idea of firing their head coach, or maybe they'll just fall further into free fall. I don't know. But I know the Giants should win this football game. I know the Giants should be able to go beat a lousy Raider team with a rookie quarterback with a brand-new interim head coach and a disaster of a franchise. This will be a mark not just against this team this season. Who cares? It's about what they told us when they gave Jones the contract and what they told us when they didn't trade Saquon Barkley. Those two are the future. That's what was said. That those are the statements made, not with words, but with actions over this offseason and then the trade deadline. Daniel Jones is our guy. He has $40 million a year. Although we franchise tag Saquon Barkley, we ain't trading him. I don't care. We're not even going to answer the phone because he's our future. Well, if those two players who are designated the future, along with the coach of the year last year, can't go beat the lousy Raiders, I don't want a piece of that future. And now I question that future. And now I'm frustrated that they decided that that was the future. Yeah, it's one game, but they better turn this thing around. They better show me some freaking hope for those three those three guys. Coach, quarterback, running back. Big week for the New York Giants. 877-337-6666. We'll still take your phone calls on the baseball, but we want to start getting into the football here in the 3 o'clock hour because I do think it's a big game for the New York Giants. As we turn our uh, attention to week nine, we'll get to the Jets as well, playing a Chargers team on Monday nights. We have an extra day to get into the Jet game as well. We'll have Monday morning to talk about them, but obviously a big game for them. Obviously a game as they look to play the Raiders next week, but obviously a game for the Jets that if they want to be the kind of team that makes the postseason, if they want to be the kind of team that even with Zach Wilson, and he became a major talking point of the show yesterday morning. Boy, did he ever. If they want to be a team that can make the postseason with Zach Wilson, if you want to be that kind of Jet fan who says, hey, I heard a couple call this morning. Hey, they've won three games in a row. Hey, I don't Oh, well, yeah, I guess that Broncos win wasn't that good, huh? They went out and beat Kansas City. Followed that up with a win against the Eagles, and I don't care how you win. They beat the Giants, too. I don't care how ugly it was. Three wins in a row. Zach Wilson doesn't make mistakes. Zach Wilson ripped the ball down the field at the end of the game. Big plays. Zach Wilson can do it. This team is good enough to make the playoffs as is. They're a playoff team. Well, playoff teams win games in their building. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. The Chargers are in the building. Chargers defense isn't that good, despite having a couple of big names on it and some good players and a couple of guys who can get after the quarterback, yes. But this defense isn't anything special to me. And this offense, under this head coach, 
makes dumb decisions, and the quarterback, as talented as he is, and he is, Herbert is as talented as a quarterback as there is in the NFL, maybe this side of Patrick Mahomes. That's how good he is. That's how strong his arm is. That's how he's capable of making throws. There's not another quarterback in the league who's capable of making throws that he's not. But continues to make mistakes late in games and flat out does not win nearly as much as he should considering the talent on this team. The Chargers are coming off a good game, a good performance, and this is a game the Jets should win. If you want to be a playoff team, yeah, they got the Raiders next week. Obviously, we're talking about how they're in free fall, but then you get the Bills, you get the Dolphins, you have the Dolphins twice coming up. The schedule definitely lightens up. It absolutely lightens up. You got the Falcons and Texans at home, games that are definitely capable of winning. You got the Commanders at home, and then you finish up the season with the Browns and Patriots on the road. Those are all winnable games. But so is the Chargers, and if you can't win that one, if you can't follow up, if you can't figure out how to get this offense going against the Chargers, then what makes you think you're capable of beating the Dolphins even once? What makes you cap- What makes you think you're capable of going on the road against a good Browns defense and winning a football game? And then, by the way, I don't care how bad Mac Jones is. I don't care how bad the Patriots are. I don't care what the rumors are with Bill Belichick. I don't care about any of that. The Jets haven't beaten the Patriots in forever. If you think that's a layup game because the Patriots are terrible this year, they were terrible a couple weeks ago when they beat you 15-10. to 10. And you haven't you haven't beat them in years. 877-337-6666. Jet, big game for them this season. Doesn't have any lingering effects other than are they capable of still, you know, being a winning team, being a playoff threat if they can't beat the Chargers at home? And can they be in a position where maybe, just maybe, the pipe dream of Aaron Rodgers coming back is plausible? But even more than that, can they beat the streak? Can they end this lousy drought of playoff football? or lack thereof, this game is an indicator of it. And for the Giants' overall arcing franchise theme, is this tandem of of quarterback, coach, and running back, which we are moving forward with, which they have made it clear as day they are moving forward with, is that trio good enough to actually win football games? Can you trust that team moving forward? Maybe not for this year, that's probably dead. But moving forward next year and the year after, What's the feeling around the core of this team? Because if they can't go beat the lousy Raiders, I question the stability of the core. 877-337-6666. Don in Fort Lee. What's up, Don? Hey, what's up, uh, C-Mac? What's uh, up, buddy? Thanks for having me on. You got it. Not much. Uh, so a couple points. I just want to make a, a quick point on what you talked just talking about, the football point with the Giants. Sure. And a point about a baseball point of what some of the stuff you mentioned earlier. Yeah. So I'm a huge, I'm a diehard, lifelong Giants football fan and a Mets fan in baseball. And the one point about the Giants is I'm glad that they kept Barkley because, to me, Barkley is part of the solution. Um, I think he has a five-year window to be to be the best back in football. I'd hate to see him do it for another team. Mm. And even though you're going to get a, a, a haul in return, I just feel like there's so much parity in the NFL these days. Even though the Giants have struggled um, for, the reasons, for certain reasons, like the offensive line, uh, Andrew Thomas had a domino effect on the whole offensive line since the first week. Um, I just feel like they're not that far off uh, as, as far as people think because there's so much parity in the league. You, you see it year in and year out. Um, I mean, I suppose, but, I mean, you really think – I mean, Saquon Barkley is is heading into his, I mean, seventh year. I mean, you think 
running backs typically don't have 12-year runs in the NFL. And, I mean, it's very rare. So to just make the assumption that you think Saquon Barkley has a five-year window to be the best back in the NFL, I'm not sure I'm not sure how, when has he been the best best back in the NFL. Do you think he's the best back in the NFL well, right now? Well, talent-wise, I mean, McCaffrey overall is performing like the best back, but I think Saquon has the talent. McCaffrey just has a better team around him. Yeah, no, McCaffrey's, McCaffrey's much more talented in the passing game. I don't care what team he's on. He's much more talented ball catcher out of the backfield. Much, much, much more. Well, he's, he's a much better well, overall back. Yeah, so even though Saquon's up there in years a little bit for a back, he doesn't have a lot of wear and tear in terms of, I think he did three years at Penn State. He didn't play a, uh, you know, he came into the league fairly young, 2021. 20, yeah. And he also, um, throughout the injured, the injured, those years that he was injured with the Giants, he didn't have a lot of wear and tear. Um, yeah, but it's so injuries. I, don't think the same wear. I mean, he, he misses, well, he enough. misses games every single year. Like that, my only point is, no, I'm not, I'm, I understand your point. Listen, is he a great running back? Yes, he's a, he's a talented running back, and the offense looks dramatically different when he's not in the game. I, I wouldn't argue that. It's a fact. But the fact of the matter is is I, I can't imagine them giving a long-term contract. I don't know how many years. You, you, you just blatantly say five. You might be right. It's not impossible. It's, it's highly unlikely. It's really very rarely seen inside the NFL where you get a running back to be good to have a 12-year career. And I understand your point about – uh, some limited miles on the legs, but they're limited because he was busy having knee surgery and he's busy sitting on the sidelines with sprained ankles every year. I mean, that's why, I mean, that's one way to keep yourself fresh, I suppose. But um, I'm also yeah. just, I'm, I'm just concerned at the idea of, I mean, how many, you can go get a second round pick or something, build with this team. And, and the other thing is he was the best back in the league, arguably his rookie season, they won five games. Like, you make it sound like there's a correlation between winning and him being the best back in the league. There is none. There is none. I mean, how many years the Tennessee Titans have the best back in the league? They don't, they don't really win at a significant level. Adrian Peterson, best back in the league. Do the Vikings win at a legitimate level? I mean, you can go on and on. Uh, Barry Sanders, best back in the league. The, 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 the Lions hardly made the playoffs. Like, it's, there's not a correlation between having the best back in the league and, and winning. Best quarterback in the league and winning, absolutely. But best running back in the league, what is that? I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd rather get another good pass rusher with the second pick than I'd rather have the best running back in the league. No, that, that, that's a fair point. Um, I see I see your side as well, but just a quick baseball point. So you made that analogy about the Yankees. So it was so different with Andy Pettit. He was part of the core four that won all those championships for the Yankees yeah. you know, versus DeGrom, who never won a championship for the Mets. And obviously in, the Mets made the right business decision with DeGrom because he, he, he was too frail. That's the reason they didn't want to go long-term with him, a long-term right. commitment with him. And that proved out. Now, yes. now had DeGrom pitched uh, like DeGrom can pitch all season and dominated in the playoffs. Of course, that would sting as a Mets fan. That would have been that would have been difficult to watch. But the fact that you know that he was hurt that that's why it didn't really sting for me as a Mets fan. No, anyway. I, I I understand that, but just I mean, I understand your point. Of, like for the me, the winning the championships is almost like I understand your point. Like for me, I made the 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 connection to Andy Pettit. He won championships with me, though. Like that's like if he goes elsewhere and wins, I could always say, "All right, that's that's fine." He did it with me. The idea of Degrom being the face of your franchise, the best pitcher in baseball for a time period, and you could never make it work, and then within one year of, of going somewhere else, he wins a championship. And thank you for the call. Would have been tough for me, but you're right. 
I'm just trying. I'm, I'm just trying to get a feel for the Met fan. Clearly, the idea that he didn't even pitch for the team lessens the blow. But ultimately, he's celebrating today, and he'll always be, he will be uh, World Series champion, Jacob Degrom, and it will be with the Texas Rangers. And here's the other thing: I don't know what his career looks like, and it's hard to imagine him con- ever getting back to being the greatest pitcher in baseball. And if he is, him staying healthy. But I don't see this team going anywhere. I mean, I don't know if Bruce Bochy is going to stay. I would imagine he would at least one more year to, to to defend it. But I mean, he came back after retiring. He's he's much you know he's older. But other than the manager who might be in question, although I'm I'm sure he's staying at least one more year to defend it. But like this team is young and talented. All right, Nathan Avaldi. Maybe the starting pitching needs to revamp. Obviously, they're going to lose Montgomery in free agency, or maybe not. I guess they could resign him. But Montgomery's a free agent. Uh, Scherzer, who didn't really have an impact, is obviously uh, one more year of him. Jacob Degrom, uh, who we're talking about, is going to be with them for a handful of years. Uh, John Gray. I mean, some of the some of the 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 rotation could possibly need some retooling. And the bullpen really wasn't very good. It is a team that only won ninety games and was a wild card team. It's not like they were a dominant force, but yet. You feel like Garcia has become a superstar in this league. You know what Seager and Simeon are. Himes, you know, becoming one of the better. You could see him becoming one of the better catchers in the league. They've got young, talented kids. I mean, that lineup isn't going anywhere. It's a diverse, talented, smashing, powerful lineup. And as long as they're led by Bruce Bochy, who quite clearly is the best manager in baseball, I mean, you would think that this team's going to be around a while. He might. What if he becomes part of a dynasty? Again, I don't see it happening because I just can't imagine him getting back to his same ways again after a, a Tommy John, his second Tommy John of his career. And then even if he does, how can you imagine him staying healthy? But I guess this just goes back to my bitterness from Met fans and, and particularly SNY when, when he left and some of the nonsense I heard spewed. Stuart in Brooklyn, what's up, Stupot? Hello? Hello? Uh, good morning. Good morning, Stuart. Uh, good morning to you, sir. What's up? You know, I guess that Jacob Degrom he he deserved it after all the years he pitched with the Mets, who never really had a good team around him. And okay, yeah, he didn't he didn't uh, pitch it at all for them. But you know, uh, it sort of makes up for all the lost years that he was in Flushing. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess for him, I mean, I don't know how. I wonder how you feel. Like if you want to get into it too from the other angle of him. Like, he comes here, he takes the what I guess was considered a leap, certainly from uh, SNY and Met fans, the leap of uh, coming to a 70-win team and leaving a 101-win team in a comfortable situation mm. with the Mets, and he takes on this challenge of the Texas Rangers, and he yeah, watches them have this season where they're, in, they're leading the division for most of the year without him. Uh, they end up winning the World Series without him. Like, it's it's got to be... I wonder how he feels, because I don't know how... You know, when a player doesn't play for a team, I wonder how connected they actually feel to that championship. Clearly, Max Scherzer feels connected. I mean, Max Scherzer, <laughs> yeah, Max Max Scherzer. Scherzer feels like he, he won the damn thing for them. I wonder how Jacob deGrom, and I would wonder how other two, like, like Ronald Acuna is another one. Now, I, I would think Ronald Acuna, who's a young superstar player, who's yeah. probably going to win an MVP this season, uh, and now has now failed in the postseason in the last two years without one, I would think he's as hungry as anyone to win a championship because even though he's got that ring on his finger and even though he'll forever be part in some way of that 
2021 Brave team, he had nothing to do with winning the championship. No, he was saying they were they were they were a floundering team. And thank you for the call, Stu. They were a floundering team with him. Then he gets hurt, and they decide to they were this close to selling, and instead decided they got close enough where they decided to chase it and traded for Jacques Peterson and traded for Jorge Soler and those two guys without their best player in Ronald Acuna go on to win the World Series. And since he's been back, they have failed miserably, and particularly this year against Philadelphia after having the best regular season uh, in the sport being talked about like the great team in baseball and certainly him having a a world-class year and probably going to win an MVP. So I know it probably drives him but a DeGrom who's at the tail end of his career, having his te- second Tommy John, I wonder how he feels about finally being a World Series champion. If it, if if he's gratified this morning or if it's a, a bitter taste knowing he had nothing to do with it. It's an interesting question. I would imagine as a, as a competitor, you have to have a bitter taste in your mouth. I would think I would. I think I would be like, yeah, this is nice and all. I'm, I'm happy for my guys, but I don't feel like a champion. And that's got to be almost even worse. All these years of chasing it, you're the best pitcher in baseball. You can't come close because your team stinks and your ownership group doesn't care. And, you know, you're just, you're you're the one man on a one-man show of a miserable baseball team. And then you, you get traded, you leave there, you believe in the team, believe it or not. You actually think you have a winner there with all the money they're spending. You go to Texas, you're happier, your wife's happier, life is great. You start the year pitching damn well, and then boom, second Tommy John of your career, season's over, and you have to watch that team go all the way through the season being in first place without you, and then go through the postseason like a hot knife through butter, going 11-0 and on the road on their way to winning the World Series in five games, and you had nothing to do with it. And you'll stand there, and you'll take the pictures, and you'll get your playoff share, and you'll forever be immortalized. As a world champion, it goes on all. It'll go on your Hall of Fame plaque, world. Because he, I, well, I mean, I guess that's premature. He's right there for. He needs a, probably another couple of years. But if he, if even if he doesn't win another one, if he pitches another couple of years, even close to his standards, he's he's right there as a borderline Hall of Famer. That's how dominant he was. So it'll go on his Hall of Fame plaque, World Series champion. It's but ultimately, he's got to live with the idea that they did it without him. And that's really an impressive job from this Rangers team. If you think about it, their major move this offseason was Jacob DeGrom. Last year, Simeon, Seager, making a big splash with the middle of their infield. I mean, Simeon felt uh, the word was he wanted to be a shortstop. He was playing second base with Toronto, but he wanted to be a shortstop and yet still took the money to play shortstop, uh, to play second base with Seager at short for this Texas Ranger team. They do everything else right. But their big acquisition this offseason was Jacob DeGrom. He doesn't even contribute, and they sail to a World Series. I guess I shouldn't say sail. They did have to win game six and seven on the road against the defending World Series champs. But, I mean, they were just – they were a great playoff team. Great playoff team. It's hard to build. It's hard to figure out. But they do do a couple of things that spend money, trust your manager, Develop your farm system. It's not complicated. It's simple. But it feels like there's a couple teams in this city that struggle with it. 877-337-6666. More of your phone calls. We'll get to the Knicks. We're talking football now. Big game for the Giants. Despite the fact that I'm screaming from the high heavens that the season's over, I think most Giant fans have come to that conclusion. 
it's still an important game to see who they are now with this group. Daniel Jones signed a big contract in the offseason. Is, is he the miserable quarterback for the first couple games of this year before he got hurt? Saquon Barkley now is with the team. I would imagine not trading him means he's with the team at least for the foreseeable near future. What can him and Daniel Jones do together? Because if they can't beat Antonio Pierce and a rookie quarterback in Aiden O'Connell in a, in a fledgling franchise that's literally blowing it up, if they can't win this game, if they can't perform as an offense, if they can't figure out a way to score some freaking points and get in the end zone, then I question this whole damn thing. Forget this season. I question the whole thing they're doing. I question the entire operation. I don't want to question the operation. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. Odell Beckham Jr. made the catch with one hand for the touchdown. Wow, what a catch by the rookie. Ridiculous. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Three thirty-six. Dick Monaco here with you on the fan. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty-six sixty-six. So you know I'm a huge Beatle guy. I've talked about this a lot, obviously on the show. If you listen, you know huge Beatle fan. And obviously, news coming out of Beatle world. How about this? And worlds that and worlds colliding for me, which is amazing because this is the second time in the last couple of years that my worlds are colliding. But. Just real quick, the Beatles today, November 2nd, which, by the way, uh, a couple of birthday shout-outs. Uh, my sister, happy birthday, Jess. Um, 38 today. Congratulations. You made it. I don't know what that means, but happy birthday. And I believe Brian Monzo, too. Happy birthday, Mons. Anyway, today, the Beatles are going to release what is being called the last song ever. The last Beatles song ever. Now and then. I guess it's an old recording that Yoko found of John laying around. They've done some work with it, some AI work with it. Not to completely means AI doesn't mean they've made it up. It's all real stuff. But AI somehow helps isolate instruments. They're able to do different things. But Paul McCartney's put work into it. Uh, obviously, Ringo Starr's put work into it. And they've even found some old stuff from George Harrison to put work into it somehow. I don't know. But it's all for... Beatles contributing to a brand new song called Now and Then. Uh, it's going to be released, I believe, today at 10 a.m. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I believe Peter Jackson, who is the director of Lord of the Rings, which is how worlds collide. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings guy as well. Um, Peter Jackson, who directed the Get Back documentary that was on the Disney Channel a couple of Thanksgivings ago, maybe two years ago now, I guess. Um, he's directing a music video for it, so I'm looking forward to that. And then Flegelman tipped me off on some new information I got to get into. I'm looking forward to it. They announced that there will be a new docu-series on the assassination of John Lennon, on the murder of John Lennon, on Apple TV, which I don't have, so I'll have to figure out a way to watch this, but a new docu-series um, on, the, on the murder and uh, assassination of John Lennon, which will be narrated by Kiefer Sutherland, which I'm a huge 24 fan. So, I mean, just worlds are colliding. The Beatles seem to just be wanted to get involved with every aspect of my my hobbies and joys and my passions. I love 24. I love Lord of the Rings. And somehow they're all getting intertwined with the Beatles. 
But a documentary on the assassination of John Lennon, the murder of John Lennon, sounds interesting. I mean, I know a lot of the details. I actually had a caller a few uh, months ago, maybe a year ago, give me this great story about how he was a, you know, he was a, like a uh, studio musician and worked on some of the last music John Lennon ever did and, like, got to hang out with him and smoke the cigarette, just him and John, like, a week before he died. But anyway, that just sparked my memory of that, but... I'm interested in hearing a documentary series voiced by Ke- narrated by Kiefer Sutherland on the on the assassination of John Lennon. That's that's up my alley. So we got a couple Beatle things coming out. I'm looking forward to the song. I'll give you a full review tomorrow. I know you can't wait. On a football Friday, I'll take ten minutes out to tell you what I think about a Beatles song. Very excited about it. 877-337-6666. I'm also excited about the prospect of a certain outfielder who currently plays for the San Diego Padres being traded to the New York Yankees. Go do it, Brian. Everyone hates you, Brian. We can't stand you. Can't stand you. We cannot stand you, Brian. People are dressed up on Halloween as as an idiot in a in a sleeping bag, sleeping on the street just to make fun of you. We, the, the Yankee fans hate you. Go out there and trade for Juan Soto, which I believe the Yankees would do and would at least attempt to do if Juan Soto was available, but that's the question. Is Juan Soto available? And we've talked about it. We've went through it. But there was a piece of information that came out yesterday that I think sheds new light into the topic of whether or not Juan Soto may be moved by the San Diego Padres. Evan Drellich, who does an incredible job for the Athletic, in covering baseball, uh, was one of the key members in the the Astros cheating story breaking. He has unearthed, and I don't know how much he unearthed necessarily, but the story that the San Diego Padres borrowed fifty million, took out a loan for fifty million dollars to help pay off um, all kinds of things, including payroll in a what is deemed a short term. Cash flow issue. $50 million. Now, while this is not uncommon necessarily for Major League Baseball teams and other teams to do, and it is being spun by some in the San Diego and Major League Baseball uh, inner circles as, hey, they're not in such bad financial standings. They had no problem qualifying for a $50 million loan. I I suppose that's fair. I mean, if you were in such bad standing, would you qualify for a $50 million loan? Although, I don't know about that. You own a baseball team. I would imagine they figure you might be good for $50 million. But anyway, nonetheless, they're having a little bit of cash flow problems. And it never made sense to me the amount of money they make. Now, in the article Evan Drellich did, it mentioned they sold the third most tickets in Major League Baseball. So spending the money has on some level, their plan has worked where they have garnered as much interest as you could possibly garner in that market. But selling all those tickets is great. 3.3 million. It was the third most tickets in major league baseball this year. So they're making revenue at the ballpark. They're selling tickets, but ultimately in a, in a market like San Diego, which is bottom third in major league baseball, they have contracts that they just signed this year. Xander Bogart's an 11 year deal for 280 million. They, um, Gave a new contract or in a contract extension of six years, $108 million to Hugh Darvish. Manny Machado, an extension for an 11-year, $350 million contract. Like they've got, their payroll is supposed to be right now, is is uh, expected to be $296 million. The San Diego Padres are going to have a $300 million contract. And in the story, 
Uh, Evan Drellich has a, a GM who, uh, a part, not a GM, excuse me, a member inside the organization who won't, you know, give his name and speak on the record necessarily, but he pretty much indicates that they may have to make a trade. The The Padres might be in a position where they feel a need to trade another star, Juan Soto, to better their franchise. Excuse me, better their finances. There's no guarantee he wants to stay. He's talked about, and they've, and everyone's talked about the idea. He likes being on the East Coast. It's close to Dominican and his family. I don't know if he'll stay. He's making a ton of money this year, and if he's not going to stay, and even if he could stay, how many contracts? They, you know, that's not even the contracts I mentioned. Aren't even talking about Tatis and the the money they gave him in a long term deal. I mean, they three hundred million dollars. I don't care how many tickets they sell. Like it's the San Diego Padres. The market doesn't dictate it. At some level, they can't just sign everybody. They're going to turn around and give Juan Soto a $500 million contract, a $450 million contract, bare minimum. And, you know, for the next 10, 12, like, I just, I don't know if I see it. And especially now that they're having short-term cash flow issues and need to borrow $50 million and have different guys inside the organization tell Evan Drellich that you can connect those dots that they may need to move on from a star, like it makes perfect sense to trade Juan Soto. It makes perfect sense. Now, I don't know if it'll be at the deadline or in the offseason, if they want to chase a championship, if that's their overall marking goal. I understand that the owner is is has some health issues. I don't know if he's chasing a championship. And the idea of see how the season goes and God, you lose him at the end of the year, you lose him at the end of the year, you'll live with it, certainly if it wins you a championship. But ultimately, you're never going to get more than you are right now. You probably won't get people willing to eat the amount of money they'll be willing to eat now. And that's really the question for the Yankees, because I think they would give up the prospects. The Yankees need to be willing to eat money and take some of the money from this year as well, from Juan Soto. You just have to do it, Hal. Pony up, and then you got to pay the man $450, $500 million. That's what you need to do. And we've all been talking about it just because, hey, Juan Soto fits. Juan Soto's a great player. Juan Soto's going to – free agency is impending. Like, it it was just an easy thing to just mention. But now there is legitimate news that puts the Padres in a financial predicament. Predicament? That sounded terrible. Predicament. I don't know why I feel like I'm saying that word completely incorrectly. Completely incorrectly. They're in a financial situation where – they're needing to borrow money to make payroll. And they've signed all these other contracts. I think they're going to trade Juan Soto. I think they're going to trade Juan Soto. And the question is to who? And if it's to anybody else, the Yankee fan base might just mutiny. 877-337-6666. Let's get back to the calls. Mitch and Mystic. What's up, Mitch? Hey, C-Mac, I mean, I listen to everybody on the fan, and when I think of you, it's it's a balance of reason and passion when it comes to the Giants, and that's a compliment. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I don't see any good coming from thinking of tanking here. We've yeah. got to get oh, no. together. We've got to get Daniel Jones going with Hyatt and some of these guys. No doubt. And the other. No doubt. And I never, I mean... 
isn't uh, even over. And tanking's not a guarantee. No. I agree. I've never been on the I don't think I don't think many have I haven't heard a lot of tanking. When, now I got a call from Brett in Long Island the other day telling me I'm being I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth because I want to trade Saquon Barkley. That doesn't that's not tanking. That's that, not tanking. That's I'm trading Saquon Barkley for assets for more draft picks. I'm uh, you know not starting Daniel Jones even though he's healthy is tanking. You know I'm not I'm not trying to lose football games. I want to win this well, game. 100%. Uh, now the that Leo they deal. now that they now that they haven't traded Saquon Barkley, go out there and win every stinking football game for the rest of the year. Shut my mouth up and 100%. make the playoffs. Like that's what I'm trying to do. Got a, the Leo deal got an A from you know 100 percent on the on the trade tracker. The Leo deal got an A. Yeah, absolutely. Not tanking. Do you even want any part of this Caleb Williams kid now that he's talking about wanting ownership and this, that, and the other? I mean, A, it's not a guarantee, but I don't think anything ever good comes from tanking. It's yeah. like the fruit of the poisonous tree. It looks good. It's fine, but win some football games. I just don't think – I'm I, like Bill Parcells. Yeah. I don't think anything good comes from losing. Yeah, I mean, listen, it, it, in certain situations it has. Trevor Lawrence uh, it was good for the Jaguars to lose. Uh, I mean – I guess Andrew Luck and the Colts. There's a, there's a couple of situations where it's helped that you're, you're better off getting the better draft pick, no doubt. But you're like to put just put it in Giants perspective, for example. Remember when they won the Washington game and it was like, oh my god, what a stupid win! You just lost Chase Young. Well, they got exactly. Andrew, they got Andrew Thomas, who's uh, although hurt a lot of this year, looks like to be one of the top handful at the at the bare minimum of left tackles in the league. Meanwhile, they traded uh, uh, Chase Young away for a third-round pick. So you, you never know. But I will say this. While I agree with you, nothing, I, I am not looking to tank. I want to see this offense function 100%. And it's about getting guys like like um, Hyatt involved in this offense and progressing and developing. And Wondell Robinson progressing and developing and getting better. I'm all about it. They sh- I wanted this offense to score points and win games. But ultimately, what I will say is, is if the season does go down the tubes, there will come a point where maybe it makes more sense, especially if Daniel Jones, the question marks around him are answered. Like, if it's just clear as day that Daniel Jones is not the answer, I still think if you're drafting in the top five, if that's where they find themselves, you have to take a quarterback. You have to take quarterback. Well, I'm I'm just hoping we don't get there with that. And they shouldn't. And honestly, they shouldn't have to get there. They should right. have, they should win this game. They should win a lot of the games they play. I think the Green Bay Packers are dreadful. There's no reason why the Giants can't beat the Green Bay Packers. There's no reason why the Giants can't beat Washington again. I think the Patriots are a dreadful football team. There's no reason at home the Giants can't beat the Patriots. But I don't know. Like I just don't know. They've been so awful, and I understand. But now it's that's like that's my part of this. Like Daniel Jones is back. Saquon Barkley is back. Hopefully, Andrew Thomas will be back this week, if not next week. And it's time to see what this team can do because there was some optimism heading into the season. Let me see a lot of yeah. Let me see some of the reason we had such optimism. Like let me see it. I want to see some winning. I want to see some good offensive play. I trust the defense. The defense might pop up and have a bad game here or there. I don't know. The Cowboys might score 40 again. I don't know. But at least I've seen enough. I know Dexter Lawrence is good. I've seen enough out of Banks to know he's a good young cornerback. Is he a budding superstar? I mean, we'll see. But he's a good young cornerback. It was a good pick. Um, You know, I think Bobby Okereke is a good signing. I like what I've seen from Micah McFadden. Like, I've seen enough from the defense over the last three weeks, and we all know with what, um, obviously, Dexter Lawrence is, and Kayvon Thibodeau is starting to answer questions. So I'm starting to feel better. Even if they have a pop-up, 
Like, but th- those things happen. Like, they can have a pop-up bad performance that cost the Giants a game they should have won. That kind of thing happens. I need to see more out of this freaking offense. I need to see more out of Daniel Jones. I need to see more out of Saquon Barkley. I need to see more out of the passing game in particular. And that this is a functioning offense worthy of keeping together because that's what they've kind of decided here, right? They've decided, no, 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 we're not breaking this thing up. We love Daniel Jones. We're giving him $40 million a year. No, 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 I'm not trading Saquon Barkley for second, uh, for a second-round pick. We love Saquon Barkley and what he means to this offense. Well, let me see it. 100%. But at the end of the day, C-Mac, I tell you, hold that, hold that balance of reason and passion that you have. It's a gift, my friend. You're great on the overnight. Thank you very much. Oh, I appreciate that, Mitch. Thank you for the kind words. If you if you wouldn't mind taking that to social media, that'd be great. Mike in Hillsborough. What's up, Mike? I'm just kidding. What's up, Mike? Hi. Hi, Chris. I have two quick questions. But first, let me say the reason I listen to WFAN is because of you. Oh, You're the best. Thank you very uh, much. I want, I want, you guys are so I want nice. Management. Yeah, I want management to hear that. Number two, yeah. or the two questions. Number one. Can you feel the Super Bowl championship team if you have to pay the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver? That's the first question. And the second question is, I know you were the Cartman Roberts producer. Okay, let's just say that ESPN were beating you in the ratings, which they never did. But if they did, and the one they did for month one that you were the one month that you were off for paternity leave. Okay, let's just say it happened. Right, I yeah, don't yeah. know your history. That's fine. And they finally won because you were home. Would you celebrate in the ratings celebration? <laughs> for the I hear you saying it. Yeah, if I were gone for an extended period of time, and during that time, for whatever reason, the ratings flipped, indicating I'm very important to the ratings. Uh, but ultimately, my team lost. Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, well, no, you won, but you weren't there. Oh, the opposite. You won the, oh, I'm yeah, sorry, the I missed you. Oh, the other, so the opposite. To, so, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to tie it into your yeah, you Degrom that, point. Degrom. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I got you. All right. So yeah, if we were winning. If we were losing and then suddenly I'm not there and then they start winning. Yeah, uh, yeah listen, it would. Um, I guess it would make me feel bad, yeah. I guess, it would, I guess it would. I would still celebrate and call it fluky, but, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, yeah. It wouldn't make me feel good that the ratings suddenly picked up when I wasn't there, absolutely. And my first question about the Super Bowl championship, can you pay all three, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, big money? Um, big money? Well, here's the thing. They don't pay running backs big money anymore. Like, big money for a running back is – I know they, I know Taylor got a, a contract and, you know, they're paying McCaffrey. I mean, I think you can win paying McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It's a good question because I'm trying to think if there's any examples of it right now where yeah, but I mean, multiple guys are getting paid big money. Um. I don't know if you can. I, I suppose you can. If they're the right guys, I suppose you can. And if you have young talent at other other places. But, like, like right now, the, if you had to – I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think. It's, it's how about a, your Giants? Yeah, well, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. like, but that's the thing. Like, they're not – Saquon Barkley's not making big money. Saquon Barkley's making $10 million a year, and it's for one year. That's not big money. They don't pay running backs big money. So could you make top-of-the-market running back money, top-of-the-market quarterback money, and top-of-the-market wide receiver money and still win? Yeah, you probably could. I would say that I think that the 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 Bengals would be close to doing that. right? You would imagine now Burrow makes top-of-the-money, Chase is going to make top-of-the-market money, and I would think 
the running back uh, is, you know, I would think he makes close to the, I don't know what his contract is, but I would think he makes close to top of the league running back money. I'm trying to think of another scenario where it's coach, uh, quarterback, wide receiver, running back, all big-time players. But I think I, I don't think there's any set and hard fast rule where you can't. I, I don't think you I don't think you could just flat out say you can't afford to pay your quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. I do think you have to make a choice, and for me, it's an easy one. It's an easy one. If I can only I don't care how good the running back is. Quite honestly, I don't. If I have a I mean, unless it's, I guess McCaffrey, but if I have to pay a, a running back, a quarterback, a wide receiver, and I can only choose two. Nine times out of ten in almost every situation, I'll pay the quarterback and the wide receiver, and I'll go find myself another running back. I'll go draft myself a running back in the second, third round and give it a go. But I understand your point. Yeah, that that's why you know, you don't love – you. the whole point is to draft a young quarterback and have your team ready to year, by year three so you still have three, four, five of the young quarterback without having to give him a big contract. Like what Seattle did, that's the – what Seattle did with Russell Wilson is the dream. You're able to have the young quarterback under the rookie contract scale, and you're able to build the Legion of Boom and spend money throughout that defense and go out there and win games with your defense and the quarterback make enough plays and be good and young and talented. Like, that's the dream. That's why you draft these young quarterbacks. That's why you're hoping to win with Trevor Lawrence right now. That's why you go get a Super Bowl head coach. That's why you try and win with Trevor Lawrence in that division because you have Trevor Lawrence, great young quarterback. You build around him. You bring in guys uh, to help him win, and... You're able to put money out everywhere else. But I'm concerned. If Daniel Jones isn't worth $40 million, that's that's the issue. It's not so much can you not win with that tri- with that trio of getting paid well. The question is, are they worth the money? Because theoretically, yeah. As long as my quarterback, if I have to pay my quarterback, but he plays like a quarterback who deserves to be paid, then I can win. Then I can win. I could figure out a way to put all my money into Mahomes, Kelsey, and and whatever running back you want to choose, and then have a lesser defense or have lesser players other way, other otherwise because I got Patrick Mahomes and he'll win me games. But if you're paying Daniel Jones forty million dollars a year, and halfway through the year, no one's even that concerned, and it's not moving the line at all, and no one thinks you're better off between him. Or Tyrod Taylor, that's a problem. When you're paying your quarterback $40 million, and I said this while he was hurt, I'm glad he's back. I think he's better than Tyrod Taylor. I want to see what he can be with this offense. The ceiling is much higher than with Tyrod Taylor. He's already won a playoff game and played great in that playoff game. But the way the season started, they were playing the Jets. And the question was whether or not he was going to be healthy for that game. And I didn't for a second think it mattered. I thought they could beat... Win or lose against the Jets with Tyrod Taylor the same way they could win or lose against the Jets with Daniel Jones. And for $40 million, I should feel a hell of a lot more like I need Daniel Jones back than I did. That's the problem. It's not so much can I can I win with paying them. The question is, is he worth the money, especially at that position? If the quarterback's worth the money, then can I win? The answer is yes.